Hey guys, Monto here. Welcome to this edition of Free Thinking. Our guest today is a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa, an IFM trained physician, educator, researcher, and MS patient. She's, she's, she was dependent on a, a tilt recline wheelchair for four years due to multiple sclerosis until she reclaimed her health using a diet and lifestyle program that she designed specifically to restore her cellular health. Now she pedals her bike to work every single day. Her training program, the WALS Protocol, is an autoimmune protocol that has transformed, transformed the lives of thousands of people around the globe and has changed the direction of dietary and health behavioral research for neurological and autoimmune conditions, including MS. She's back with us today to share some exciting research results. Dr. Terry Walls, great to have you back. Thank you so much for being on this edition of Free Thinking with Montel. Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about the recent study uh, that was done on the Walls diet and what was the objective and how oh, was sure. the study set up? Okay. So uh, this was a study comparing the a low fat diet, the swank diet, and the Walls uh, diet, basically uh, my level two diet. Uh, and what we did was uh, first, I, I want to make clear that we had a conflict of interest management plan in place so that I had no contact with the study subjects. I had no contact with the data. And we had a statistician who did the analysis that was masked to study assignment. Um, so this was as, uh, as objective. As double blind as it could, double blind could be. Absolutely. Right. Uh, and so uh, our, you know, our, our big objective was we wanted to see what was the effect of the Swank diet and the Walls diet on fatigue, on quality of life, and on walking endurance. Uh, and we, know, we, because of the other studies that I've done, I knew that people in dietary studies really want to be uh, doing the intervention. They don't want to be in the control arm. So we used a design that allowed us to observe everyone for 12 weeks, the observation phase. Then we randomized them to either get down the swank diet or down the walls diet. Uh, and then we trained them with our dietitians and we gave them uh, weekly support calls for a month. Uh, and then we were available to answer any questions, provide any support as needed. They came back in at 12 weeks. We repeated all the assessments again. So this is the third time. And that's our intervention period. Then we brought them back again uh, after 24 weeks of intervention. Uh, for the final assessments. Uh, and we're looking again at measures of fatigue, the fatigue severity scale score, and the modified fatigue impact score. And then uh, two measures of quality of life, the uh, physical health composite and the mental health composite. And we had them walk six minutes. Now, what, in the, in the, go ahead, Montana. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut you off. Okay, so the uh, most important question is during the observation period, was everything stable? Uh, did the uh, fatigue levels change? Did the quality of life change? Did walking endurance change? And it did not. So uh, that's stable. Uh, it, uh, people were randomized 
The two groups, the Walls group and the Swank group, uh, were similar uh, in terms of how uh, disabled they were, uh, how fatigued they were, what their quality of life was, how far they could walk. So the groups start out the same. Uh, and our primary outcome was change in fatigue severity scale score. And, uh, and that is uh, uh, nine questions uh, that people were rating how uh, fatigued they felt in various aspects of their life. And they were not different. Uh, both Swank and Walls had clinically meaningful and statistically significant improvements, that is reduction fatigue at 12 weeks with fatigue severity scale score. Uh, yeah, statistically not different. Now, the good news is um, that would tell us that improving your diet, doing either the walls or the swank was very helpful at reducing fatigue. When we looked at quality of life measures, the uh, physical health, mental health quality of life, uh, the walls diet was remarkably improved at uh, 12 weeks uh, and it was statistically uh, more improved than the swank group. Wow. Uh, and the uh, the measure, the unit of change that's clinically significant, uh, Montel, uh, mm -hmm. is if you get five-point improvement, that's clinically meaningful. We had about 14 uh, uh, improvement at 12 weeks uh, that continued to improve further at 24 weeks. Swank uh, also began to improve uh, uh, their physical health and mental health. But again, Walls was statistically and clinically greater than Swank at both 12 and 24 weeks for both physical health and mental health. Well, these results are clinical research results that are confirmation of what, you know, both you and I have already known about yeah. ourselves. And that is that diet as well as exercise and lifestyle can have quite an impact on managing an autoimmune illness. Let me ask you a question. This is really kind of a very interesting one, but um, you know, I took my my COVID vaccine, um, had that back in January, February, and literally I had a breakthrough infection about now four weeks ago. Yeah. So I came down with COVID. Uh, my symptoms were, and I, I, I've been saying this to people, though they weren't as severe as other people and people who I didn't have to hospitalize, I didn't even have to really go see the doctor. I did have a headache that was no joke. Um, I wouldn't yeah. even describe it. It wasn't even like a migraine. It was like one of these, you know, piercing things, like somebody was pushing a daggone ice pick through my brain um, for a little bit. But, um, you know, that didn't last long, only lasted a couple of days. And um, I had some, no, not really congestion. I had a sore throat that lasted for a couple of days. And then my symptoms kind of abated except for, for the first time, I got to tell you, in the last 20 years of my life, I honestly have to say that for about five, six days in a row, I felt fatigued. And I normally never have fatigue. Um, and, you know, I'm hearing so much about these people who are long haulers who have... Oh, yeah. I'm wondering whether or not the Walls diet, because I kind of live that diet anyway. But oh, yeah. Diet would have impact on people who are having that kind of a immune system, you know, attack. Well, yeah. So let's talk about that. Sure. Uh, the long haulers certainly have a lot of excess, 
um, activation of their innate immune system. So a lot of it, uh, inflammatory cytokines that are persisting. It looks very much like they have a, the, the, a prodrome of a autoimmune disease, overt diagnosis. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what, when I see those folks in my practice, uh, in what other functional medicine docs are doing is we're treating them like they are a autoimmune prodrome patient. So we, we put them basically on a diet that's going to look like uh, the Wallace Protocol. Uh, I'll probably uh, talk about uh, vitamin D levels with them. I may talk about some uh, antioxidant uh, supplements as well. Uh, we'll talk about sleep. Probably uh, encourage Epsom salts soaks either uh, and if they'll tolerate it uh, in a cool bath uh, so they can get some gentle hormesis. And let them know that gradually things will improve. But absolutely, you want to uh, treat them like a autoimmune type of patient. So, I mean, so people should really literally start considering the Wall's diet for this long haul syndrome. Even though they have not been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, the symptoms are like that. So therefore, one has to And we, we already know there are uh, 16 uh, different viruses and microbes that are, uh, if you are infected with that virus, it increases the risk of a subsequent autoimmune disease. And the coronavirus family is in that group. Ah. So many of us are, are uh, predicting, you know, time will tell, but we're predicting that there will be a higher rate of autoimmune diagnoses if you get the wild type coronavirus. Uh, we also think there'll be a higher rate, quite possibly, of Parkinson's. Uh, and there may be a higher rate of cognitive decline as well. Well, you know, that's really, really interesting. I, I wish there were more. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, friends with a lot of the top doctors that are speaking out on television all the time. Um, I'm going to try to shoot a couple of them a note and explain to them that, you know, or have you done a white paper on this and sent this in to anybody? You know, if you go to the Institute for Functional Medicine, they have a great resource on uh, COVID-19. Uh, so ifm.org uh, forward slash COVID-19. Uh, we have really wonderful resources on how to uh, reduce the risk of severe disease and to uh, accelerate recovery if you are infected. So I, I'd send people there. Uh, but again, if, if you're in my practice or if you're following me, we put you down the walls protocol. And that's been very, very helpful. Well, you know, knowing this information is an important first step, but making changes to your routine, especially ones like eating habits, can, for some people, be quite challenging. And, and, oh, and, goodness, yeah. Yeah, what tips would you give people, like, like well, to share people how they get started to make those changes in their lifestyle and stick with them? You know, the first thing I, I want to acknowledge, Montel, is our biology is such that we uh, do things that are pleasurable, we avoid things that are harmful uh, and that, you know, create more pain. We have a lot of attention to immediate pleasure. And it's very hard to forego today's pleasure for tomorrow's benefit. So when you and I tell our tribe and the public, improve your diet, 
uh, uh, reduce the sugar, reduce added, uh, you know, processed foods, uh, and move more. We're asking them to create new habits. Uh, and if they give up all that sugar and processed foods, they may have some headaches, some malaise, may not feel very good. They're going to have craving. And it's very hard biologically to forego today's pleasure. So what I've learned over time is that I've spent a lot more time on the mental, emotional, spiritual side of things. Uh, and I help, I ask people, what do you want your health for? What is it that you care so much about that you would run into a burning building to save without even thinking? And if they, if we, if we can identify those factors, and then link their desire to improve their health, and identify what is the next step that you'd like to work on, in terms of uh, what dietary change you want to work on, what self-care routine you want to work on, then then we can begin making uh, progress step by step. You know, I, I don't mean to ask you this, and I, I'm not really asking you this for a political reason whatsoever, Dr. Walsh, please. But, you know, I, I have recently just been completely, you know, almost disheartened, and, and, and I feel so down when I look at some of the news and I hear some of these comments coming out of these people <clears throat> who are anti-vaccine or anti-truth behind covid you know, I was listening to a woman today who literally had a cigarette hanging out of her hand and had the nerve to say that you know, I've been getting all this false information and I don't believe the doctors. I, I wanted to throw something at the television and say, are you kidding me? But what's so crazy right now in the society that we live in, a society that's about to bear a burden financially, yeah. Because we all share tax dollars and taking care of those who can't get away from their own shortcomings. I'll say it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the the cost of of this anti-science, anti-research, how do you convince a person like this who has the nerve to say, I'm not taking no daggone vaccine but they still will eat a half of <laughs> tonight. I mean, grilled on a on an open flame or something. I, I just does this not trouble you, especially some well, of that. It, it's it's certainly very very troubling. We're, we're going to have a large part of society doesn't want to take the vaccine. Who will uh, probably many of them eating a, a poor diet, have um, low vitamin D levels unrecognized insulin resistance, and at high rate of needing hospitalization, ICU care, uh, uh, and prolonged uh, gumming up uh, the hospitals. The consequence to our economy, because we're putting so many more people in the hospital for prolonged care, and uh, so many more people who will be unable to work because of long hauler syndrome. We're going to drive up the cost of health care and health insurance uh, for all of us. We're going to drive uh, up 
the number of folks who can't be gainfully employed. Huge, huge negative consequence. And uh, have we created a system where there are other political actors who are putting this disinformation into our our uh, social media to further destabilize our economy and destabilize our country politically? You know, perhaps. You start. I mean, I'm starting to think that this is now not just ignorance by choice. This is ignorance with a plan. There are those who, you know, unfortunately, you know, and I hate to say it, but we've lived at a time in the last five to 10 years where, you know, so many of these doomsday television programs that we have on, so many of these survivalist programs that we have on, there's a large segment of, or not large, there's a segment of society who thinks that it's going to be okay trying to survive as mankind eating out of garbage cans. And I'm not, that's not, I'm not a big fan of that personally. Yeah. You know, I like to move forward and see if we can, you know, follow evolution and, and better ourselves, not make ourselves worse. But I mean, the, the amount of misinformation makes it hard for me to, when I hear your results from your study, this is plain and simple. This, could, oh, this is very yeah. exciting stuff. This could impact the entire healthcare system of the world, let alone the United States. If people just decided to follow, uh, you know, the basic things, just, you know, checking their, their diet a little bit, exercising, getting the right amount of sleep, being mindful, little things that they'd have to do that. That, that are under their control. Yes. That, that don't have to cost a lot of money. And that you can you can implement the Wallace diet on food stamps. And, and, you know, when I was at the VA, we taught people. In fact, how to do that. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it's hard for people to give up uh, their pleasures, their tobacco, their sugar. Uh, and we've created a, a system uh, where now, because of the uh, artificial intelligence in social media, uh, that we have a technology that amplifies more outrageous claims, more sensational. Uh, you get more shares uh, on uh, stuff that that you know is is a lie. Uh, that's just outrageous. Uh, and we saw that um, radicalizing people in the Middle East, uh, in Asia. Uh, we saw a genocide as a result. Uh, and now we're beginning to see radicalization uh, of extreme points of view happening here as well. You, do you think that you feel like the research that you have now have is published? People can read it. The other doctors can read it. How is this going to impact medical professionals when they treat well, their patients? I mean, you know, I would think that right now, and I do understand the fact that they're you know, because of the way medicine is changing in America, you know, some of the revenue streams for doctors are drying up. And that's the reason why so many doctors are now signing on to become corporate players in these big, you know, huge entities, making sure that they see 12 patients a day, five days a week. I get that. But I think that overall, there would be more money made in well care than health care. I mean, we 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 call our healthcare system a healthcare system, whereas really it's a sick care system. Yeah, absolutely. We started showing 
more benefits and direct? Well, yeah, I guess. You know, things are moving. You know, uh, th 12 years ago, I was this eccentric oddity. I was being condemned by many folks in the neurology community. I was banned as a speaker by the MS Society. But, you know, fast forward, I, I've done four clinical trials. Uh, we've got a couple more uh, underway. Uh, the results have been consistently positive. I, I'm funded by the MS Society. And now there are more neurologists that are, that are talking to the patients saying that diet does matter. They, they are willing to check your vitamin D. Uh, and they are willing to say, yes, you should be exercising. It's not universal yet. Yeah, but here, here at the university, I, I've gone from being an eccentric to uh, now I'm having conversations with the head of the oncology department, uh, and we're designing a little clinical trial that we'll be doing together using my protocol for cancer patients. And I, I'm having a similar conversation with the head of rheumatology to test my protocol in uh, uh, Sjogren's patients. I mean, we're going to have to do this anyway because, I mean, we do know one of the things I think that we as a nation have been avoiding and we don't even talk about is the fact that I think it's this year to next year, this country is going to, in the, in, in the longer COVID, this pandemic rages, the faster these numbers will be achieved. But we could be by 2024 somewhere close to 500,000 nurses short across America. Why? Just because... They're aging out just because we're not training a new generation. And they're and, retiring early. They're, they're retiring early. And some of them are burnt down, especially because of this COVID thing. And you take a look at the same thing that's going to happen with doctors. We could end yeah. up being about two hundred fifty to 300,000 doctors short in America. And so, on, you know. On, I mean, on the other hand, on the other hand, um, the Institute for Functional Medicine continues to grow. Uh, the uh, American Academy of uh, uh, Anti-Aging Restorative Medicine is continuing to grow. And the public, larger portions of the public are more aware that diet and lifestyle does matter. They're more aware that vitamin D is a good thing uh, and that uh, walking matters. And, you know, and, and uh, we didn't yeah. even know to talk about poop, but now you know people are are, are getting concerned about their microbiome. So, so we are right. making some progress. Well, and that's going to—I think—that's really where we're going to be able to kind of deal with the, you know, the shortage in doctors and nurses because if more and more people paid more and more attention to their own individual healthcare footprint, this is something I've been talking well, about. Years. I mean, you know, we, we we worry about the carbon footprint, but we should be worried about our healthcare footprint. If I pay attention to my diet, I exercise, I try to do the things that help keep my healthcare footprint, my my personal footprint, smaller. And its impact on resources being needed by those who really need them. You know, I can help actually have an impact on the overall cost of medicine in America. And I think there are more people who are starting to recognize that, that they can impact their own bottom line by paying closer attention to the gratification of time rather than that overnight gratification that you talked about. Well, and if you want to have healthy aging, I mean, living to 
60, 80, 90, 100, uh, as long as I'm healthy, alert, you know, still playing soccer with my children, grandchildren, any other kids I have in my life, still playing Pictionary and Scrabble and chess, that sounds pretty great. But if I'm demented and a burden to my family, that sounds pretty terrible. Right. The way to have healthy aging is all about diet and lifestyle. It's about living. Yeah, it's about healthy living. Um, there's a, I'll be giving a uh, lecture, actually, which, which I've been working on, uh, which uh, for the anti-aging folks, which is all about the healing process. You know, we've spent billions, if not trillions of dollars understanding pathogenesis, uh, how disease develops, but we've not spent nearly as much time understanding the uh, chemical processes of how our cells rebuild and repair. And what can we do to uh, improve that? It's not just stopping the disease process. And of course, you know, what we're learning is that it all, in the end, it's going to come down to our healthy lifestyle choices. Diet, sleeping, exercise, and provide supporting the network of healthy uh, health behaviors. Absolutely. Now you, you just touched on it just for a second, but talk a little bit more about the, the ongoing other research projects that you are working on. Oh yeah. So uh, we're going to have a, another study that is going to look at the impact of taking my online course to autoimmune intervention mastery course. Um, we'll be randomizing folks out of our uh, current uh, disease registry to get access to the course immediately or to wait 12 weeks and then get access to the course. And we'll be measuring change in dietary intake, diet quality, uh, mood, fatigue, quality of life. Uh, and the hypothesis is by following my online course, we can improve your uh, diet, we can improve your self-care routines and improve your quality of life. Uh, so that's one study. Uh, uh, and I'll probably be able to start recruiting for that uh, in the next couple months. The other study that we, um, again, anticipate being able to start recruiting uh, yet this fall will be a uh, Walls diet versus a ketogenic diet versus dietary guidelines. Uh, and that will be a very exciting study. Uh, we'll be following folks for two years, so it's a much longer study. Uh, and uh, people, uh, you know, they'll have to sign up for my newsletter via my website because when those studies are finally approved and I can start recruiting, we'll have an announcement up on my website. That is excellent. That's excellent. You know, I'm, I'm just, and I maybe this is a rhetorical question, but I just don't know why you are not. Everywhere. I mean, I, I want to see one, you know, every news station across the country, especially right now, especially because of this oh, yeah. thing. I mean, I think the word about you needs to get out, Doc. You got a good publicist? What's going on? Well, yes, I, I should be getting out more than I am. Uh, and why we're having some difficulty, uh, I'm not sure. Is it, do you think it's pushed back from an industry that's so focused on trying to make as much as they can off of people being sick? Uh, I, I think it's uh, pushed back from uh, drugs, yes. 
Uh, I think there's difficulty getting uh, through uh, because of the political environment that we're in. Uh, uh, and COVID-19 uh, has sort of crowded the, uh, uh, sucked a lot of oxygen out of the space. Uh, that is certainly a bit frustrating. Absolutely. And, and you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, what patients and what individuals need to do, what changes would you like to see, um, you know, most patients with autoimmune diseases, the way well, they're treated, what changes would you like to see? So I, I want them to improve the quality of your diet. Wherever you're at right now, what can you do to make uh, the diet more nutrient-dense? So if you're eating the standard American diet, stop uh, the uh, sugar-sweetened beverages. Uh, eat more vegetables. Uh, replace uh, processed foods, pastas, breads, uh, high glycemic index foods, uh, whooped potatoes, uh, French fries with vegetables. That'd be a great, great start. Uh, if you're into paleo diet, great. A Mediterranean diet is a good step. Um, if you want to do intermittent fasting, now that's a little more advanced. That's also very good. That's something I, I, I stay on. It's not as hard as people seem to think. I, I, I try to intermittent fast every single day. I mean, I try to eat my last meal before 6.30. Uh, sometimes, most of I really would rather eat before 6 p.m. in the evening. And I don't consume anything else in, until I get up in the morning. And then I normally wait two hours before I, I eat anything. So, you know, I may wake up at, at you know, 7.30, 8. I don't eat my first meal of the day. And sometimes until 10.30 or 11 o'clock. And, no. you know, I try to make sure I put 12 hours, at least 12 hours minimum in between the last thing I put in my body and the first thing I put in my body the next day. And that sounds daunting to some, but it's really way easier than you think. Because I can't tell you something. If somebody calls me and says, hey, I want to meet you for dinner. Uh, let's meet at 730. I said, sorry, I can't. You know I mean, I'm not. I, I, I'll meet you maybe for a glass of water or a cup of tea, but I'm not meeting you for dinner at 730. It's not happening. Yeah. You know, and, and if we, and the, other, the other point I want people to, to understand is whatever intervention you're going to try, actually do the intervention. Do it thoroughly and carefully so you can assess, is this intervention helping? If I'm going to do uh, the Walls diet, actually do the Walls diet. If, but that sounds too hard, but you could just make a point of eliminating sugar in sugar-sweetened beverages. Do whatever intervention you can do and actually do and that's right now. I, mean, I got to tell you, eliminating sugar, sugary uh, uh, beverages, you know, I think maybe even me, I mean, you know, up until for about five years straight, when my diagnosis with MS came in, I didn't drink anything. I didn't drink any sodas. I really got rid of soda completely. I drank just uh, uh, sparkling water with ice and lemon. I did that for quite a long time. And then, you know, oh, I don't know, about four or five years ago, um, I started uh, because my wife really enjoys, you know, Gatorade. So I started drinking a little bit of that. And then I noticed, you know, I really wasn't feeling that. So I, I got off it. And now when we travel, I mean, I may go 
four days in a row with just water and lemon, water and lemon. It, 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 it literally, and I don't even think about it anymore. So I came over and said, do you want to have this drink or that drink? Or that drink? No, I just take water and lemon with my meals and dinner. I'm sitting in a restaurant and I see all around me is nothing but soda and wine and this, that, and the other. And I'm sitting there with a large glass of water. And, but I recognize how much better I feel three days later. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, adding soda, um, all these sports drinks, I skip the uh, with all of this uh, high fructose corn syrup, terrible, terrible for you. Absolutely. Now, where can people go if they want to get more information about the Walls Protocol? Make sure you grab uh, it. So Terry Walls, T-E-R-R-Y, Walls, W-A-H-L-S dot com. That's super. Well, I got to tell you, I can't say thank you enough for being a part of Free Thinking with Montel today, Dr. Walls. I know that you know, this will be consumed and enjoyed as much as your first appearance here. Um, and I, I just wish you so much. Luck is not the right word. I just, just hope that you get as much success out of your next trials as you've gotten out of this one. And you know you always have a home here if you ever have anything you want to share. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. You have a great day. Stay well. Stay healthy, okay? Thanks for joining me on 3 Thinking with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear feedback, so please send us your comments. Mm-hmm.